Let's just turn this show into a battle royale. <laughs> right Welcome back to the Side by Side Guys Off-Road Podcast. I'm Big Z. I'm Ian with Full Throttle Battery. And we are still at UTV Takeover Utah San Hollow 2020 having a great time. How about you? Uh, you might be having a great time. I don't think well, anybody else is having a great time I would time say this technically morning. this morning we had quite a difficult this morning. Yeah, uh, we, we found out why it's called Hurricane Utah. <laughs> Desert, Desert Storm Hurricane 2020 came through and took out Superior. Uh, that was quite the event. Have you walked around? I haven't. It wasn't just them. Really? <laughs> I heard they got the brunt of it, though, so... Yeah, there were guys here till midnight holding things down, and uh, some people didn't fare too well. Yeah, and uh, that, that's trade show life, I think, though. Getting getting the tent uh, squared away is a big part of that, so... Um, yeah, but uh, other than that, it's been a good time. Lots of fun adventures and, and good shots and, and some good video, so... You were flying the drone around. It was a pretty good time. Yep, blew another belt. Good times. <laughs> You're keeping the record going here. We're, we, we're up to one more, right? For we, sure. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, finally got a Savage ETV case on your car though. So you'll be, you'll be ready next time. So, and there will be a next time, <laughs> maybe today. So, uh, we're joined once again by, uh, some special guests here at the show, uh, from slick walk, slick walk, get it out. Ca are we doing castle walk? <laughs> All right. We're from slick rock productions. We got, uh, Patrick, Kurt, uh, Miles, and um, I just told you I was the worst person in the world with names. Jake doesn't We got Jake up. Anderson, cohort and uh, co-partner uh, in the whole venture with Slick Rock Productions. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for Thank having, you for having us. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Um, we're here in the rugged uh, sales trailer, basically. It's the VIP lounge. It's a air-conditioned and heated area it's out of the wind. We're yeah, not going to have to put up with a... This is super nice. <laughs> So uh, what are you guys doing out here? Um, I saw you guys pull in uh, to the show early there, earlier this week. Um, looks like you guys were out riding. Yeah, we come out to support UTV, um, the takeover. Um, Jim and Steve are good friends of ours. We've been to some of their events before. and They just do a phenomenal job, as you guys know. They Their events have something for everybody. They're, you know, you can bring the whole family out. They're kid-oriented. There's just always something going on. It's not like a typical event where... You just you have some trail rides. I mean, there's just there's a lot of action here. They attract a lot of people, and we uh, we wanted to come be a part of it. And they were uh, nice enough to invite us, so we come out and do some guiding and hang out and meet people, yeah. meet some good people, so. and definitely hit the trail. So, yeah. So you guys have been doing guided rides the last couple of days, right? Yeah, yeah. We got the day off. They were gracious enough to give us the day off give so us. we could go play. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're happy about that. But yeah, we've uh, we've been out here guiding. We've met a lot of cool folks out here and had a, had a good time and. We do a lot of guiding um, all over the country, and there's a, I don't know, we have home court advantage here, so it's a little bit easier for us, and we, we spend a lot of time down here. How many uh, How many of these events have you been to, the takeover events? Oh, oh, takeover, just a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, we do a lot of events all year long, but the takeovers we do, um, we'll probably, next year, we'll probably try to get out to, to Oregon and do a few more with them, but um, I think we've done two or three of them with yeah. them. Uh, like Virginia, Oklahoma, something no, like that? No, we or? did. Uh, the last one we were at was in McCall, Idaho. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah I was That's there. right in I our area. area. Too, yeah. 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 And, it, and it was super fun. And it was, uh, we kind of had a, it was kind of a bad deal. It was record-breaking heat. And usually up there, it's about 80 in the summer. It was over 100 degrees the whole time. Yeah. So right. It was, it was a toughie. But there was a lot of cool folks that showed up. And it was a there, good time. There's some good riding up there, though. It is beautiful. Yeah. It's really pretty up in high timbers. Yeah, uh, a lot of high mountain lakes up there. It was, oh yeah, it's gorgeous country. Yeah. So what uh, what trail are you guys uh, guiding on this uh, event? Um, I think our last one we're doing the Maze Trail. Yeah, we I got believe. Maze Saturday. We had um, Double Sammy Plan B yesterday, and then 
follow up so with you guys the got to mix it up a bit mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's cool what's your uh, favorite obstacles out here what's the favorite kind of area that you you visit honestly all of it the cool thing about san hollow is is there isn't you know like moab is kind of the mecca here in utah and on moab it's a real stay on the trail it's a designated area um it's gorgeous there I and mean, that's probably that's god's country it's the prettiest wheeling in the world in my opinion but down here is a little bit different if you wanted get off the trail i mean pretty much anything you can see you can climb down here so as far as the trails go i mean we kind of like all of them but and on every trail down here there's a lot of obstacles you can kind of do what you want and so i mean you can get kind of crazy and play on any level that you want to play on it seems like uh there's a little bit for everybody dependent no matter what car you have so if you have a, a standard yeah. oem car there's plenty to do and if you have a fully built portal car there's plenty to do yep. as well yeah we've uh, we've guided people through here in stock cars 50 wides i mean you can kind of I said you can just kind of use the terrain here to your benefit, and you know any skill level can come down here and play and have a great time, and it's gorgeous yeah, down here. You really can't because each trail can be mild to wild. It's really how hard you want to make it. Right, right. Yeah, I, I usually ride up in the mountains in Idaho, um, a lot of Oregon dunes and stuff. So this was kind of this was new, and I've never checked out Moab. I, I know I'll be in, I'll be there in May, and yeah, it's, you should do that. Well, it's a trip because you're telling me it's God's country. I could make an argument this place is too. This place is incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the difference is like, cause these are probably the two areas that we ride the most. Moab is really big. A lot of arches. It's, it's just really breathtaking country. It's just gorgeous. It's beautiful as can be down here, but down here is a little more rugged. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, and um, I've 10 to one, I've wrecked more cars down here than I have there, you know? Yeah. Right. I didn't know what to expect, but uh, you can rip out here too. Oh man. yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're, yeah. Uh, we were flying. Yeah. It's, any style uh, riding kind of goes yeah. here, you know? And it's like, for me, I mean, I love Idaho. I spent a lot of time up there. Um, I'm a big snowmobiler and like yeah. Idaho is just. So you're uh, no stranger to McCall then? No, I know McCall pretty well. Yeah. I, I know <laughs> McCall Island Park all the way up through there. Yeah. And, you ever I get know, up to Priest? Um, I went bear hunting up there. Yeah. Um, above there anyway. Nice. A little closer up to the border by Canada up yeah. there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've been up there a few times, but and it's gorgeous country. But Utah is just kind of weird because it's once you get to southern Utah, you have a lot of it's a lot more desert. Northern Utah is a lot more mountains. We live in northern Utah. We do a lot of high mountain riding, and you know we have a lot of that up here. But you have Moab here, you have sand here, you have good mountain riding here. It's kind of a really diverse state when it comes to riding. I mean, as far as other places we've been in the country, this place is really phenomenal. For yeah, that. for sure. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what you guys do. Um, you know, the first time I saw you guys online was was way back on one of your first portal cars uh, that you put together, and that was the big deal. People were like, "Holy cow, portals on a side by side!" Right? right? Uh, kind of how how did you guys get your start? First, well, let's start. Let's go even further back. Kind of how did you guys meet? How did it come together? And and where's what's your background in? Jake and I met in my shop. Um, my background, as far as wheeling goes, um, I was a big jeeper for a long time. Um, did a lot of fab stuff, a lot of custom stuff. Um, I was just doing big long travel Jeeps back in the day and I really liked that a lot but we kind of got to the point where we were building Jeeps so well it was becoming really easy and we kind of pushed it too far and when I got into a side-by-side um, wheeling got hard again you had to pick lines and it was, it was a skill level thing yep. you know and, and so the side-by-sides had a lot of appeal to me the problem was is they weren't built very well right so we had a big group up in northern Utah we used to ride with and I met Jake in my shop he yep. called me up and we did a cage together mm-hmm. and we just kind of became buddies after that and Jake had this thing going that he, he wanted to, you know, what, what Slick Rock is now and what it was then is a little bit different, but Jake wanted to do an informative, you know, 
it was kind of more of a blog style. We were kind of giving out information of stuff that we were figuring out was working and wasn't working. And he came to my, we were doing a rap one day in my in my shop, and he's like, hey, check out this intro of this video I made. And it was just badass. And I'm like, man, we got something here. And we just kind of went from that, and we started doing videos. And then we were down at an event, um, down at Rally on the Rocks, and the guy who builds portals, the guy who kind of, pioneered that we met him we told him we wanted to build portal cars for rock crawlers and he laughed at us and two weeks later we were on a plane and we were sitting in his office and we kind of told him the way it was and he just believed in us and we started building portal cars and um, along that way as we were building cars we were figuring out that we were breaking a lot of stuff and i mean obviously especially back then i mean you're talking four or five years ago razors weren't meant to have 35 inch tires and bigger and they had a lot of rolling mass we were breaking a lot of components we had a lot of buddies that were trying to do it too so we started doing instructional videos started doing tips started talking about what works and what doesn't work and slick rock has just kind of evolved from there if you uh, were to be introducing yourself to a new group of people that aren't familiar with you guys uh, individually and the brand, kind of what would be the the elevator pitch to what you guys do day to day with with the brand? Well, um, when when we started doing this, um, we made a promise to ourselves we were going to keep a high brow. We weren't a um, we're not about shit talking to anybody. Period. You, you know, it's like there's a lot of companies out there, and there's a lot of guys who are, are innovative. There's people who deserve recognition. There's people who try really hard. And we wanted to focus on that. And so what Slick Rock does, we, we get a lot of clicks every month. We have the biggest following in the UTV industry. And we answer a lot of questions. I mean, thousands and thousands of questions. That's like a full-time job. It, it is. And we have a big yeah, crew. Thank to these guys. <laughs> guys we got some guys over here. For sure. Yeah. Uh, we, we've just got a strong family of uh, supporters that are in Slick Rock. Um, we all do our due diligence. And we all train each other on everything that we know and we kind of keep up to date on everything that's coming out and everything we're doing so we can all you know point people in the right direction but when people what we do is is we just provide information for people if you want to build a portal car if you have problems with your machine people reach out to us and we give them the best advice we can but we don't do it we have a lot of sponsors but we don't sell out to any of those sponsors as far as you know them what we say equivalent selling parts if you call me up or you message one of us and you ask us hey what's the best radius rod to run we're not going to be like oh go with brand x we're going to figure out what your car is what your riding style is what your budget is and we're going to give you two or three options you know, you know what i mean right it's like we're not we're not just pimping out parts you know it's like we don't want any part of that there's a lot of great companies out there and that is a big fight we've had over the years is you know especially on a lot of our posts you know people say hey i want to buy you know this and everybody will jump on there oh hands down this is the part you want to buy because they work there or their buddy because does, that's or, what they run exactly yeah they have, they have this yeah. much experience in it and they've had good luck with it or their buddy sells it or whatever the case may be or they're selling it and so they start pushing certain parts and certain brands and it drives me insane. Yeah, you can't you can't run one part and have an opinion. And you know what I mean. That doesn't work for me. So we run everything, everything we can, every company that we can we can do business with. We like to get as much information. But it's not just a price point thing. It's a warranty thing. It's a customer service thing. It's you know a lot of companies. They do all the research, all the R&D. They get into the metallurgy of the parts they're buying. I mean, we can sit here and we can talk about titaniums and alloys and heat-treated and all the different stuff. Most people don't care. Right. That's the bottom line. But companies care. Yeah, I've no, uh, you know, I've been very blessed from a sponsorship standpoint. Some some great companies have helped me out with my rig. But I started as a as a customer. 
you know, right, I mean, right. you learn what works for you and right. then all of a sudden you start to develop a relationship with that company and next thing you know, you guys are working together. It's, uh, right. you know, if there's one thing I've noticed about UTV as big as it's growing, it's a very small community from a, a vendor standpoint right. and you get that opportunities is. like this to rub shoulders with everybody. So, right. And it's like for us, you know, it's most of the people that are in this parking lot out behind us, there's a lot of vendors here. We do business with almost, almost everybody out there. I mean, there's companies we don't obviously, and there's so many new companies popping up it's it's kind of tough but we won't put their name on our sponsor board till we know something about them we meet right. the owners we talk to them we figure out their warranty we kind of you know how they manufacture parts the r&d that they do in the parts we like to ha- have a really good knowledge of what we're talking about before we'll even recommend a part right right and, and you're talking about actually running the parts not just bolting them on taking you know the video and the pictures no, and then we, calling it good right we, you're going out on the rocks and, and pushing these things yeah, we before have, we even talk about it part or a company it's been on our machines and on a couple yeah, trips for so, sure yeah. Yeah. we yeah. we have we have stuff that's on some of our cars now that have been on there for six months we haven't even talked about yeah you know it's like we want to do our due diligence before we recommend something and our responsibility is not to the people who are making parts it's to the consumer out there and that is where we've we made our stand we could have sold out a long time ago slick park's got a big following it's worth some money to certain companies out there and we've been pushed but at the end of the day the power that we have with the companies that we do business with comes from the people who follow us and the people who engage. Yeah. And so, um, I don't want to take that lightly. Jake doesn't either. I mean, that's, that's a situation that is just organically grown because we have a good name and we do the right thing a hundred percent of the time, you know? And so it's, you know, we, we've had people accuse us of bandwagoning with, you know, certain companies and we've dealt with that over the years, but at the end of the day, we can hold our head up. I can walk into any one of these booths, any vendor out here. We all shake hands. We're all good. For sure. We don't do anything dirty, you know. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. something that we've taken a stance on, you know, with what we're doing is, you know, there's no there's no time that's good time wasted blowing hot air about a brand. Like right. if, if they're if they're being malicious, then the community should know about that. But if it's if it's just honestly not the product for you or for that niche or for that group, right. then you just don't recommend it. You move on, right? Like right. you don't need to dwell we, on I'll, this. I'll stuff. be the first one to admit it that uh, there's certain companies that I've used on my rigs that I will legitimately pay retail before right. I jump to something else. And right. uh, yeah, I mean, like when I, I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back or anything, but like when I tell somebody that, that I've run something and it's good, I beat the crap out of it right. and it's good. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it might not word, be for them. Yeah. It might not be in their budget, but. Because word, your word means something. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We're, we're in that same boat. If, if Slick Rock doesn't well, have any integrity, we're not worth anything to anybody. Well, the know? thing is, is you guys are guiding too. You know, I've done some guiding and like I, I always take the approach that I owe it to the guys that are following me to right. have the best because right. if the things start to go sideways, they're going to need me to get, get them the hell out of there. Right, right, know? right. So. Yeah, and there's a, there, there's definitely, I mean, that's that's been our our foundation for Slick Rocks from the beginning is our integrity means everything to us. You know, it's like there's there's a lot of stuff we believe in, but the, the next phase that happened to Slick Rock that's been kind of interesting or interesting to us anyway is um, all of a sudden, we have a bunch of input on parts that come out. Uh, we uh, we help design parts. Um, we sit at roundtables quite frequently. We have a lot of ideas for new stuff coming out, which direction we think the industry is going to go. And we've literally watched companies change their manufacturing, change their R&D, change some of the parts that they make based off of the information that we give them or problems that we've had. And for me, that is the biggest thing when it comes to these companies. When you can sit in front of a a huge company or a medium-sized company or a small company and tell them, look, these are the problems we're having, and they take you seriously and they remedy it, um, 
every company makes bad parts out there. I don't care who you are. Everybody goes through, you know, you kind of get your credibility by trial and error. Right. But if you listen to people and people who are serious, it, you know, the, to their credit, there's a lot of people that call up and, you know, Is they have all these great ideas. Right. It's not oh. really warranted. But, you know, when you watch a company who redesigns their parts and they change things up based off of the opinions of the consumer, that's a big deal to us, you know, and uh, we've had some companies we've done business with and some of their parts were inferior. We're having problems with them. And instead of, we don't talk crap about them online or say, don't buy these. We go back to them. Like this is where they're failing. This is the problem we're having. These are our ideas. They get their engineers involved and they start modifying things to better fit the needs of the consumer. That is what a good company is. In my opinion, when you have a good warranty, when you have good engineers and you put the time and the R and D in to make a good product and you stand behind it, that's worth spending your money on. You know, um, I want to I want to prompt you guys. You you mentioned trends, and uh, like we're seeing a lot of different stuff out there. We're seeing stuff in, uh, you know, give you a couple examples. Like in UTV, we're starting to see guys get into more like it's not just wheeling; it's overlanding. Right. Uh, we're starting to see. Uh, you know, I was talking to Jerry Zayden from Camber yesterday or the day before, and we were talking trucks. And he's not built. You know, I, he was telling me he was kind of going a weird direction with his truck. I go, yeah, I'm kind of building a half overland or half chase truck and he just cut me off he goes that's exactly what i'm building you know right. you're starting to see that i mean even you know we're, we're looking at trucks out here that are doing that you know you got big diesels where guys need the truck to do more than tow right. i'm really curious as to what what kind of trends you guys are seeing and we, uh, we started doing that actually a few years ago building chase vehicles um we did it for two reasons. One, we needed to carry more stuff with us, more equipment, sure. more gear. And the other, our girls were uncomfortable sometimes, and they kind of like Rangers and AC and heated, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. we started kind of making more comfortable vehicles that were multi-purpose. So you're doing chase rigs off a Ranger platform? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Right. Rangers are just a cool platform. I mean, but I mean, like the new Polaris HVAC has got heated. Um, they have heaters in them, really good enclosures. They have AC. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of payload to them, and there's enough aftermarket support out there. Um, we have big rangers on portals. I mean, they're big, capable cars that will. We just got done doing four-wheel steering on one. Yeah, that's that. ridiculously cool. Yep. I mean, they're just, they've come a long way. And so, you know, it's like we got to dip out of that too. I mean, the, the demographic in the UTV world, in my opinion, about 80, 85% of it is mountain riders, the trail right. riders. Right. Then you got the dune guys and you have the rock crawlers. Um, you get the race guys in there, you know what I mean? But it's like we try to cater to the 90% range because we think we're the most effective there um but you know it, it's it there is a lot of trends going on you know things are changing a lot the last few years utvs have come a long way you know, four or five years ago six years ago when we were all riding little 800s with no suspension in them i mean it's like they're ridiculous now but they're very expensive right now you can go out there and drop 30 grand plus on a utv no problem and put another most guys put 10 fifteen thousand dollars into them after that yeah. some of our rigs were into 70 80 g's yeah, yeah. and we got to wheel them and roll them right. you know for, i mean what you buy and what you put on them is important at that point for me it was 2014 it was when the xp1 came out yeah for me too yeah it was uh you know honestly if we were still in the days of the uh first gen rzrs uh i would still be on two wheels i would be right. riding enduros and motocross right. Bikes. Right. It, uh, as soon as I as soon as I rode in the XP1, I'm like, 
this is where I'm going. Right. <laughs> yeah, back in the old days um, when the rhinos came out, I kind of dabbled in that world. And uh, they were cool for what they were in their day. But if you had to go back to that now, I mean, like in 14 when the XP1000 <laughs> right. came out, I remember I had that thing in my shop. I took it for one ride. I'm like, how do you get any better than this? Yeah. And we, now I get an XP1000. I'm like, this thing is dumb. I'm we, embarrassed. We had, right? yeah. You know? yeah. No, <laughs> we like, have full throttle battery. We had a chance to sponsor some trophy truck guys. And I, I, I made a comment to a marketing consultant. I said, hey, uh, that might have made sense in 2012, 2010. Right. But after the XP1, like everybody got access to off-road. Right. So it made more sense for us to just really go crazy on the show circuit and start rubbing elbows with end users, right. you know, right. and put our money there. Like we, I, I didn't know what kind of value we would get out of a trophy truck sponsorship. And it was a, it was a great driver too, but, uh, right. you know, it's... So- Talk about trends. Right. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> so we're yeah. talking about some of these older cars, and you were saying like getting me into a 1000 nowadays is, is a little bit different than it used to be, right? Right. Um, when we're talking about big portals, big wheels, big adventure, you know, is the horsepower something that you guys look at, or is it more about no. how the gearing and, and, the, and the ride experience and all that? Most of it for us is the foundation of the car. Um, you know, typically with... You know, for rock crawling and for the stuff that we do the most of, the non-turbo cars are actually a little better because they don't chew through components as fast. Um, we'll kind of take Kawasaki's platform for that. Kawasaki is known, you look at Terexes, that is an underpowered car and it's overbuilt. Um, are they fun to drive? Yeah, not on my standard, they're not really not. Not let you down, though. But they never let you down. They're mules. They go forever. Rock crawlers, we kind of like to build the same way. We like to overbuild them and underpower them, you know. And, and, you know, we have a lot of turbo cars. We've built fast cars, and we've played in that in that world, too. The more horsepower you get out of them, the more unreliable they are. We all know that, you know. And it's like, so for us, we're really into suspension. We're into portals. We're into gearing. We're into big tires. We're into the function of the car, not as much the horsepower. That blue car sitting outside on 37. I think it'll do 70 miles an hour all day long. It'll it'll lay rubber. It'll jump. It'll rally. I've raced that car. And that is a really tough, functional, big car. Yeah. So for the record, you have a four-seat Polaris. Is it a is it a 19? Uh, that's a 19 Turbo S. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so the Turbo S is a good example of the industry progressing, right? Yeah. Like that Turbo S platform is now one of the hottest selling platforms out there. Right. And those four seaters are selling before they're even on the floor and assembled. Right. Um, you know, so how would you compare maybe like how that's progressed? Like, let's just give that as an example, the Turbo S coming from the factory so, set up versus, you know, kind of how you guys upgrade and how your thought goes into that. That car factory came out of the box, what we were building two or three years ago. Right. And it's like when... When the 1K came out and we started building those, I mean, the A-arms are chintzy, the trillion arms, the radius rods. I mean, you just fold parts on them. If you ran anything bigger than a 32 on them, you were probably asking for a little bit of trouble and, and, and you'd break them. So we started doing, you know, heavier A-arms, reinforcement plates, heavy trailing arms, heavy Big radius axles, rods. ball joints. Yeah, right. and, and then we started doing long travel cars. And essentially, portals give you a long travel because they make you eight inches wider. And so, obviously, the longer your A-arms are, the more articulation you get out of them, which is a lot better for rock crawling. It's a lot better for ride in general. And so the Turbo S, when it came out, we cut one of those up, like literally cut it up. And the material they use in that, I mean, for a stock car, you can literally just put a good set of 35s on one of those. And really the only weak point in them is the tire rod ends. Yeah, you know? for like overlanding and stuff, I've made a comment that I think the Turbo S four-seater right out of the box is more equipped to do 
99% of what we do. I mean, I noticed right off the bat that you got at the back seat. I yeah. mean, you know, when I was, I, I had an, the intention of using a turbo S four seater to, right. to start a build, but I, I wound up going with an RCX three, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that thing's set up, that thing's expedition ready. I can tell right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That car, believe it or not, has been through hell and back. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of my go-to beater. Yeah. So, uh, you, I've been watching you drive around the KRX at the event. Uh, yeah. is that kind of your, your primary platform at the moment? Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure there's a better out of the box car for what we do than a KRX right now. Um, I'm a little smitten because we've, we've just been wheeling them for the last six months, like real heavy. And they just, they're unbelievable. They're extremely overbuilt. They're very capable. Um, you, you just don't have to do a lot to that car. Sure. I mean, obviously there's room for improvement in anything, but for a guy who just wheels a lot, I mean, you can grab one of those, put a good set of stickies on it, and it just goes. Well, we've got a little bit of time on them, and uh, the drivability is off the charts. They're ridiculous. Yeah, though. yeah. I, I know. I, we, we went down. I went through Pritchett and that thing literally in two-wheel drive. Um, I don't know. If you said you haven't been to Moab, but that is a ridiculous canyon. It's tough. It's technical. And I don't know. I, I'm going to we're going to do something stupid in that car before too long because I just it increases your confidence level to the point. Everything I pointed at is just point and shoot. I mean, we've put some decent seat time in those things. And, and then I noticed about awesome. that KRX, you're not that far off the ground either. Like yeah. that car, you would expect it. It's already got a big presence on it from the factory. Right. And if you put bigger tires on it, it's going to be even bigger. Uh, I noticed it doesn't really have the big stance. Like, you know, we're looking over here at the HCR. They've got some huge Rangers. they got some huge Generals. Yeah. Your, your your Polaris is not small right. by any means, but the KRX seems like it's a really good kind of happy medium in between it, the big and the medium. It world. is. So they'll come out with a four-seater in that thing, and at that point, we'll change it just for clearance issues. But for a 100-inch wheelbase car, um, just with 35s on it, the clutch is actually really good with yeah, 35s the on them. I mean, they, they did, their clutches are phenomenal. I mean, they did a really good job with them. That is a car you can put 35 on and kind of leave it be. Yeah. But we won't leave it be, though. I mean, we'll make them big. Yeah, I think uh, the the market is really ripe for the Japanese OEs to come in and just do what they've traditionally done and right. just, uh, over, you know, like you said, overbuild, underpower, right. you know. Me growing up on Suzuki's and stuff, I would, I'd would i love to see Suzuki get in the mix because they kind of, they've traditionally kind of marched to the beat of their own drum right. a little bit, you know, right. like with the LTR and fuel injection and air shock. And I mean, they're, they're, right. they've always shown that they've been willing to experiment, willing to try. And I, I was kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth that they haven't gotten into this because yeah. I've, I've been bummed out of Suzuki and Articat for yeah. those same yeah. reasons. Yeah. Well, we've talked about Articat and Textron a number of times and, and how they just have a missed opportunity. We, we don't know what they're doing right now. Like, they may be coming out with some, but it's like, we haven't I, heard anything. Dealers haven't heard anything. I, I got some pretty good ideas. I, I got in a fight with Robbie Gordon a little while ago over that, and uh, he's a cool cat, don't get me wrong, and um, obviously he deserves some respect. He's earned it. But when Articat chose to patent their machine and not let the aftermarket world get yep, involved in yep, it yep. they stomped themselves into the ground yep. you can buy a lot of cool stuff the robbie gordon stuff for that car but you got to buy it through them yeah and you know, the minute you cut out all these big companies for making aftermarket parts for one their stuff is not affordable you know i mean it's it's top-notch stuff which is great you know and for the elite guys and the guys who can afford to do that that's one thing but you've ruled out a bunch of the marketplace when you do that yeah, because everybody wants to make the machine their own they won't want to yeah. be pigeonholed into the same parts everybody else can right we, we got a phone call from bass pro shops or one of their their big wig guys they wanted us to build an articat to put on display down there like out of their parts one of their tracker like, brands yeah, put it together yourself you know what i mean you don't need us for that i don't, I don't want to put my name on that you know <laughs> it's like we kind of do our own thing you know right but that's the joy about the aftermarket world and the utv world is every single person you know that owns a utv 
builds it in their own style. They all save their money. They all do what they want to do. Every car you see has got, I mean, even if it's just light bars or stereos or wraps or just wheels and tires, everybody makes it into their own car. That's why we do this. You know, you can kind of have your own style, your own art with it, and, and, you know, build your car out of your driving style and the train that you ride in. And when you take that piece out of the marketplace, you take the aftermarket world out of it, you've killed your car. You know, it's like you look at every car that comes out that doesn't make it. It's because the aftermarket world doesn't get behind it. You know, it's like we have a Defender. Um, the aftermarket world has not got behind that car. That car will not make it if the aftermarket world doesn't get behind it. Right. You That's know? a great car. Yeah. <laughs> they're good cars. Yeah. But, but it's like they don't sell enough of them. Right. Because you can't do anything to them. Right. You know, and, and it's, you know, you kind of go back and you look at the double X that already kept built. They were the first ones. They kind of pioneered this thousand world. And they came out. They had big, you know, coilover, you know, dual rated shocks on them. The car wasn't great, but they kind of introduced You're referring that. to the Wildcat. Oh, the Wildcat, yeah. yeah. Right. And so the Wildcat comes out, and it's just like it wasn't a great car, but they pushed that in. They, they could have kept going with it, but they didn't. And the aftermarket world grabbed onto that really quick because of what it was, but the car fizzled back out. Right. But if you don't get the support of all the big companies who make aftermarket parts for them, you're not going to make it. You right. Know? Right. We're looking at the industry and what's coming out. Um, have you guys looked at the R-Max 1000 that was just recently released at all? Have not you yet. seen it that yet? Not yet. Um, you know, essentially, we're talking about a, a Wolverine X4 platform. You know, have you guys seen any of those on, on the rock crawling trails? Not yet. Um, there, there's a, I mean, for the most part, Polaris kind of owns the demographic out there. I mean, they're probably 10 or 15 to 1 of everything else yep. that's out there. The Dune World Can-Am is strong in that. The YXZ is strong out there. But every one of those new cars that comes out, you know, the Wolverines, when all, when all those cars come out, there's a percentage of time for them. When it comes out, it gets a little bit of feedback. And like I said, it really depends on the aftermarket world. If if these companies don't grab onto that, they don't think it's cool, they don't start pushing it, they don't start making parts for them, they just don't seem to take off. I think there's linkage in between those two things. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Yamaha tried to dabble in sport utility with the Wolverine, and I think they've I think – I'm not going to say perfected, but they definitely did a lot better with this new R-Max. And, right, you know, right. the, the sales metrics that I'm hearing right now, you know, they, they learned kind of a, a difficult lesson with the 16YXE. They overbuilt it and they couldn't sell them. Uh, so they underbuilt the R-Max and now you can't keep them in stock. I mean, there's dealers I'm, back I'm east. I'm hoping they're that, big. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see where it goes, undoubtedly, yeah. you know, and it, it'll... We do usually don't start getting into cars unless we feel like they're going to be popular. We don't feel like we're doing any due diligence to, you know, the consumer out there if it's not a popular vehicle. Right, you know? right. So when you guys get into cars and you're looking at the parts and you're testing stuff, like kind of what's your process on proving something? And then how do you take that information to a brand? Like a lot of people come to us or you guys or other people always with grandiose ideas about amazing things that would be awesome, but it doesn't make business sense. But there's other ideas where it's like, this is an everyday use case for this scenario and we need to address it. Like how do, you know, from your perspective, you've, you've got connections now to where you're talking to the people that actually do the engineering, right. but the, the average consumer, they might like when we're out on the trail doing overlanding and stuff like that, there's use case scenarios where like this area needs to be solved. You know, what's the average Joe to do to get that information to the OE so that, you know, things can start moving forward. What's the best way for the community to be involved in that process? Talk to us. Here, here's the problem. You know, there is a, there's a couple of big companies that we do business with that literally have email addresses that they kind of 
never look at. They, they kind of push everybody to. Everybody's got big ideas. Everybody wants to see something change. Everybody wants a sponsorship. Everybody thinks they're a parts tester. Um, we have a few reps that literally that's all they do is answer the phone all the day and put people off. And on and so when, when you do have innovative ideas and you do have things that want to go through, the best way to get that through is to have somebody that's got an ear of somebody else, you know. We had those ideas years and years ago and tons of them. Like we'd sit down, I'd yell and slam my fist on the on, on the table because I'm like, this will work. We need to do this. And, and, you know, some people take it seriously. Some people don't. But it's it's tough. And, you know, when you're – it really depends on the product you're talking. If it's something simple and it's easy to make, it's easy to manufacture, um, and it isn't, you know, real costly, it's a little easier to get that done. We've had some crazy dumb ideas, you know. The rear steer we just put on the Ranger is a two-year project because it's a novelty. It's not a necessity. Who buys rear steer for a Ranger? You know what I mean? The mud guys, the down south guys, the mods guys. I mean, yeah, those, show guys. The show guys. They want to walk into these big mud events. They crab walk in. These guys spend a lot of money, and they're into novelty. They want something their buddy doesn't have. And it's like, but, you know, the real-world application of it is, you know, we have one for plowing snow, for hunting, getting in and out of tight spots, for rock crawling. They're really functional. But is that something that you can sell to a consumer on a broad level? How many people are going to buy a rear steer? You know what I mean? And it's a really tough thing to manufacture because you're changing the geometry of a vehicle. The Ranger was really hard because it wasn't meant, the frame isn't meant to have rear steer. Hydraulic steering is tough, you know, and it's like you just throw rear steer on there and you start, you, get, the you bound up, you, you know, all of a sudden your doors don't close, you're, you're, you're breaking stuff. So now you're going in, you're having to triangulate the frame, you're having to build kits that the everyday man can put on there with the basic tools that he has in his garage. Plus you have electronic issues. Um, that I'm just, you know, giving you an example yeah. of this one, but, you know, that particular kit has got its own ECU on it. It's got a fail safe. So when you're doing a 16, 70 miles an hour it shuts off and it runs true so your kid can't hit it you can't actually bump it when you're doing 50 miles an hour you know and it's like to get all you know the computer to work with it to get the geometry to work when you're putting rear steer on something you're adding radius or you're adding um tie rod ends on it so it can steer so it's like you're dealing with camber caster and toe now yeah as it goes through its suspension cycle and that changes the geometry on everything it's done so now you're building a-arms you're finding pumps that aren't draining the battery too much so you can do a standalone system without running an alternator because if you've got to run an alternator all of a sudden your price margin goes up substantially so to make kits that work for the consumer takes a lot of time a lot of r&d you know and it's like we ask a company to do this and we're asking them to find a company to build specific grants for them. You're asking engineers to reinforce frames, to triangulate them, to come up with brackets that anybody can put on. You're asking another company to build a computer for it. You're asking another guy to do wheel speed sensors. By the time you get done spending all the money to get this kit right, once again, two years it took us to get this done, you spend a lot of money and how many rear steer kits are you going to sell? Right. You know what I mean? And so there is that cost effect. There's companies out there that will do it just because we've asked them to and which is really cool but on the other hand we don't want to have that responsibility of steering them in the wrong direction right you know and it's like years ago you know we were pushing companies to make 35 inch tires for two years i barked at everybody i knew every tire company we did business with they were laughing at us now 35s come stock on cars now we're pushing them for 38s we're pushing them for 40s and how many cars are out here on 40s it isn't just me right you know what i mean i mean they're all over the place but then you got to look at that from the demographic globally how many people are going to buy 40 inch tires how many tires are expensive to make you know so speaking to that you know you're talking about that rear steer kit right and then in the lim- the niche market that that applies to uh while it may sound big to a person that's not used to seeing market numbers um, and corporate level, that's not a big 
market. But right. so what what went into the idea about creating a Ranger platform versus maybe a General or a Razor or a uh, Defender or a whatever? The Ranger was the easy start because it's got A arms on the back. Razors have trailing arms on them. The General and the Razor are close enough that you know that you you can dabble into there. But when you're on a trailing arm system as opposed to an A arm system, an A arm system you can put ball joints on it, you can have spindles on it. You know, I mean, it's just it's it's less expensive and it's less R and D to start dabbling into. Um, the Razor world wrist here will come out um there's a company that we're do, doing business with is doing it right now but it's hard it's a lot of r&d and it's like being able to make the kit i mean we fab stuff up in the shop we, we trade stuff back and forth we have ideas um, we have a bunch of engineers that we deal with and from the from the starting process to the time you have a finished product the finished product is really important because what you're doing is you're changing the geometry you're changing the you know the mechanics of how a vehicle works from the factory and so warranty becomes an issue safety becomes an issue the product itself has to be durable it's got to last because it's not cheap you know and this people are going to spend some hard-earned money on this kind of stuff it has to be right so to go through the process it just takes a long time it's not like you just slap this kit together and you put them out i mean there's it takes a lot of r&d and it takes a lot of hands on it and you know the system is complicating it's, it's not easy what is it? it's a completely different thing for a guy to i want rear on my machine to build a one-off kit to fit his machine yeah completely different world to go from that to actually do a production kit Bold for time. the masses we have yeah. a buddy down here that's got rear steer on a ranger he's a super cool guy he's a hell of a fabricator i mean he's he's a good dude and you know it's like we've, we've eyeballed that a bunch of times and his kit works really well he done a really good job with it but there's a difference between what he did and then making one for a consumer for right. one to sell production you know, process yeah you know, and, and this guy's a welder. He's a fabricator. I mean, this guy has got a lot of years. This is what he does. You know what I mean? But, you know, for the average Joe out there who doesn't do that kind of stuff, who wants to buy one of those kits, it's a different game. You need I think a hold on kit. a good reason to argue that our community tends to benefit from just talking and working with people in the community to make stuff happen that you're dreaming of. That you right. don't have to rely on OEs all the time. There's plenty of great talent out there to make things happen. Like your right. buddy can make that kit. And, and it just comes down to being willing to work with the community and, and pay the price up front and not always try to get the cheapest, not always try to right. get you know the, the bottom dollar for everything. To actually invest in, in quality work and equipment and safety and, this, and all that. This is, this is a deal. I mean, it, for me... It, the companies out there who are willing to be innovative and willing to put the money into it and do something properly and get it out to a consumer for a fair price, that's the whole key to make this work. You know, it's like there, there's a lot of companies out there who can who have the ability to do this kind of stuff, but to do it on a big level is hard, you know, and it's it takes a lot of money. There's, you know, it, when, uh, when we come out with a new set of tires that we want to run, it takes a year to get it done, and it's a staggering dollar amount staggering you know when you know the company that builds the portals that we run um when we started doing with them you know they, they just didn't build a lot of them it was just a mud thing it was a south thing they've got what, seven eight new cnc machines now you know that, that was just since the first of this year yeah between that yeah. between the building they bought to start cnc and more and to keep up with the volume out there this is a 20 million dollar investment right just for portals the returns are far, far ways out. On yeah, that. yeah, and it's like when you look at the profit margin, and we know what the profit margin is in them. Um, it's not great. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like you know how long it takes to get twenty million dollars back when you're looking at three or four hundred dollars <laughs> in, in a in a profit margin per right. per set. You know, and it's like that's a that's a big commitment to make. You know, well, and, I think a good point that you brought up is. Um, when people spend money on parts, you're not just investing in a product. You're investing in a company that took the time to put the money in to come out with a good product. And then also 
the to, future product. Yeah, the, the company's going to be there if you ever have an issue. Yeah. So when people are always chasing stuff to the bottom, you kind of get rid of those good companies that are willing to be there. This is our biggest pet peeve in this it industry. Is. We have a billion people reach out to us every month, and they want discounts. They want to know where the cheapest this yeah. is. Um, our argument for everybody who listens to 100%. this is yep. quit doing that stuff. If you can buy it 10 bucks cheaper from Joe Schmo and you feel good about that, that's your prerogative. But you're not helping the industry. Go direct to the companies. Quit using drop shippers. Let companies make their money because they're spending the money to make better products. It drives me personally crazy. We get, uh, I get emails probably once, twice a week from different Chinese groups that are investing into the market and they're coming out with a brand X, brand Y. And you look at the product set, it's all the same stuff. It's all the same factory. It's all the same sewing. It's all the same welding. Right. And it's like, you know, we're not interested in supporting you know, offloading those dollars from our community right. into China. Like we, we want to invest that into the companies that are willing to invest and be supportive of the community and push the community forward because we're as, as much as it's exploding, you know, one thing that we've realized is that the, the aftermarket on these machines or the, I should say the used market on these machines is going to start exploding here the next year or two. Right. You know, we've, we've had record sales year over year with production slowing down and the stuff, the weird year that has been, it's definitely going the other way. Now. And you're going to have to have a quality aftermarket support for all those used machines and because it essentially we're going to be getting into you know what the automotive market does on their waves of you know new car releases and 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 new used units going out we're going to start seeing more and more people asking okay i just bought a used machine with 4500 miles and i need what do i need to replace what do i need to service what do i need right. to what parts to put into this thing and make it new again right and uh you know those companies aren't going to be around if you if we're not investing in them now right this is this is this is i mean a fight we've been fighting this last year real heavily that we've got involved in is there is so many good companies out there who do things properly let them make their money you know what i mean it's like all this discount code stuff and it's you know all, all the people who are chasing the bottom if you keep lowering the price and taking the profit margin out of the parts you're not going to be there anymore and when you have a company who stands behind, behind something especially lifetime warranty stuff let them make their money you know what I mean? They've, they're they're going to stand behind you forever as long as they're in business, but they need to be in business. You know, if you're going to find the guy who's got the best warranty and he's the cheapest price, then you're going to haggle him back down. Once you keep taking the profit margin out of this, companies don't get to exist anymore. These guys spend a lot of money. You take a look out here. What does it cost all these guys to get here to this event? For Support sure. them. You know what I mean? And it's like you need to go over there and this guy wants 80 bucks for for part X. You're like, oh, I got 60. Let him make his money for else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some, like, of these, some of these bigger booths here, you're probably like, Looking at five figures. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of yeah. It's a lot it's, of sales. It's a, it's to a make, lot of money, and, and these guys are out supporting the community. I mean, yeah, they're here to make money. We're we're, we're all businessmen. I get it. You know what I mean. But at the end of the day, they're putting the time in. They're putting the effort in. They're here for the consumer. They come they come to these events. They're supportive. They build parts. They R and D parts. We want them to make the best parts they can. So when we spend our money, we're spending it one time, and that's the important part of it. You know. So uh, let's uh, let's deviate a little bit and get a little more creative on some of our stuff. Uh, you guys are pretty uh, big into the hot rods uh, on your pages. Uh, you guys have some pretty yeah. hot uh, some pretty hot cars. I think you have a is it a SS? I, got, I have an SS sixty four Chevelle. He yeah, has I have a, a seventy two Chevelle. Yeah, you're the one that's re you're rebuilding it right now, right? Currently, uh, it was about we're, we're about a half ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what what do you got in that? Uh, that one's got a four fifty four. Yeah, so that's a four fifty four. Yep. We uh we we did that one. Yeah, it was about a year ago or so. Yeah, probably about a year and a half. Yeah, it's mean. His his has got a 454. It's fuel injected in it. Mine's got a stroker in it. Mine's a 64. 
It's amazing how uh, UTV has shifted my priorities because my, my Can-Am could have been like a 70 Roadrunner. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, I mean, I, I've noticed too, you know, you were talking about guys that are building show cars. And uh, I, I was at Rally, uh, Rally in the Pines in Idaho, and there was, this, there was this guy there with his wife, and he had two, he had two Maxes, two four-seater Maxes. Probably each one of those things he'd probably spent at least 40 grand on each Right. on aftermarket components it's, and and those things didn't even get dirty and right. that's his 57 chevy we, that's we, what that is we have those right. show cars too that we yeah. don't really use i mean they're show pieces it is kind of funny when you put it in perspective like that um my man rory here and i we both have shelby gt 350 mustangs they're stupid expensive they're fun in hell and we have more money in our razors than we do in those cars yeah i believe you you could take all the muscle cars we have cumulatively and all the money we spend that's probably three razors so oh I mean, yeah, yeah with like, the amount of money i've spent on side by sides i could probably buy i probably have three b body chryslers so right. yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah it's fun because we're just gearheads you yeah. know it transfers it's, from so many different things and there's all fun. there's times when the I don't know. It's just nice to shift gears and pull cars in, and we like to go out and race and dork around a little bit. Yeah. So do you guys actually get down to the track and do quarter miles and stuff like that, or when the tracks were open? I just sold my race car, just got rid of it. Um, We waited three years. The local track here got sold out, and they were going to build another one. This was going to be the year they were going to do it, and um, with all this crap going on this year, they decided not to. And I think I'm out of the drag world now. Yeah. Gotcha. I've spent my money in that world plenty of times. I, I, I did that back in high school. I went to a high school that actually had a high school drag racing team. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. Awesome. yeah. yeah, yeah that's like you cool. could you could letter in it. Yeah, they don't yeah. do that stuff anymore. Yeah, for <laughs> so, real. Yeah. I had uh, now we're all demonized. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, I had the most ghetto car ever. Like I was, you remember those old like '88 Ranger GTs? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I had like 373 gears or something. What was that? Like a 2.8. I think I was doing like 16 fours yeah. or something. But it would do it all day. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> so, back in my day yeah. with the. Uh, I, mean, I was into the you know the late 60s early 70s muscle cars I played that a lot but when the Fox Body Mustangs came out I started doing Paxton superchargers yep. on those that was a big deal back in the day you know? yeah I had one of those and it didn't take much to get it into the 13s I want to say yeah. uh, even with me in the car it was right at 3 grand yeah, when you and, and I were kids pounds, 13s yeah. was fast that, that was a contender and now Toyota Camrys do it yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> my, my wife's Sport Edge does better exactly. than that at the grocery yeah. getter you know no <laughs> so. my my uh Five liter F one fifty runs a fourteen seven. Yeah. 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 It's nuts. Jeez. Yeah. 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 It's it's crazy how that world works, but yeah, it's, it's all the evolution of everything, you know. Yeah. It's like back in our day, a thirteen-second car was something serious. Dude, and, yeah, yeah. I, you couldn't couldn't have nailed it more, man. Like in my high school, if you had a fourteen-second car, you got a lot of respect. Yeah. If you had a thirteen-second car, you were just like, whoa. Yeah, our, our cars are zero to sixties in the threes. That was bullet bike status. Yeah, when I were younger. Oh, you know? dude, there was this one kid on our team. Um, he had a seventy swinger three forty with four fifty sixes, and he was in the twelves. And we just looked up to him like he was Michael Jordan. Yeah, he, was, he was the god, right? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I remember once when he was heating the tires up, his dad was asking, "Hey, will you will you shift the rear end and stuff?" I'd be, I'd be happy to <laughs> <laughs> sign my forehead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, looking into the industry, uh, what what's got you guys uh, interested? What's got your ears tingling? And and what are you looking forward to over the next couple of years? Um. We're thinking television's probably the next thing we're going to look forward to. We're going to dabble on that next year a bit. Um, I think that there's been a real big change in the UTV industry over the last couple of years that we've watched. Um, we've worked really hard on trying to get rid of drama and trying to get rid of a lot of the naysayers out there. Um, 
it's it a few years ago we used to just be stressed all the time we put videos out we put you know part stuff out and it you know 30 percent of the comments that would come online were just garbage i mean people were just trolling and i don't know it's just kind of all changed over that we don't really get into that anymore and i don't i don't know if people are just got tired of it like we do or not but well I, the fact I that think, you're still around that'll i mean Pushing through is what usually gets rid think, of them. I think pushing through, exactly. and some of it is we just call them out. Um, I don't really, I'm not much for a bullshit guy. I'm, we just like honesty. We like integrity. And um, we don't have to have the same opinion as everybody else does. Um, I don't want to get all political because it's a little tough to do that. <laughs> but, but I believe the biggest problem, not just in the UTV world, but in America, is the divide. I'm right. so tired of it. Everybody's got to have an opinion. Everybody has to be right, yeah. even if you don't know anything. Well, and social and, media is a big cause of it, that. It's it, just horrible. G- it gives you and I access to each other, even though we live a yeah. thousand miles away. Yeah. You know? well, and, it, and it's funny because, you know, it's like you get on and you're on some of these, you know, UTV pages and they're having political arguments or having this. And it's every aspect in life. If you're a Dodge guy, you got to hate the Ford guy. If you're a boater, you got to hate the wave runner guy. If you're a Harley guy, you got to hate the bullet bike guy. If you like football team X, you got to hate football team Y. Everything we do, we have to have this divide in between us. You know what I mean? I, I've I'm run, tired of it. I've run know? into some people like that. It's pretty rare, but I'll, I'll be basically just throw it down where I'm like, hey, you go ahead and have that debate. I'm going to be up on the mountain. Right. And it's, <laughs> it just infects everything. And I feel like at least in the social media world, at least the world that we play in, that stuff is going away. Yeah. But we have real problems to deal with and not that stuff. You know, and it's like we, we get involved in, in quite a few things that are that are political. You know, there's, there's a big divide in Moab. I think everybody knows that. There's yeah. a lot of stuff going on. And, and I don't really care how you enjoy the outdoors. Go enjoy it. I don't care if you want a pedal bike. I don't care if you want a motorcycle, if you want to hike, if you 100%. want to ride a UTV, if you want to be a Jeep. We got no beef with Jeep guys. Yep. For some reason, like we- I love we, Jeeps. I do too. I come from the Jeep. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We went down last year. Our man Rory got married. We went, all went down to Moab. Um, he's from pretty close to there. It was during the Jeep Safari. And there's kind of an unwritten rule. The UTV stay out of Jeep Safari. The Jeeps stay out of Rally on the Rocks, you know. And uh, those guys welcomed us with open arms. We went down there. We guided Jeeps down there in our UTV. And they were all cool to us. There was the occasional one or two that stuck their nose up in the air. You know what I mean? But right. for the most part, 99.5% of them were all cool. They shook our hands. Half of them follow us. You know what I mean? Like, you guys build cool stuff. Yeah. Right. They were cool as can be. It's like, I don't know where this is coming from, but it's like, However you enjoy it, you know, however you want to recreate, however, whatever gets you and your family and your friends out to go enjoy yourself, go do that. Yeah. You know? So when you guys started out, how long did it take to, to basically come to the, basically realize how much of a job media is? Media, oh, like media yes. is, I think, I think we're still, it, it's incredible. That. Like, uh, yeah. You're looking at me. Well, like, <laughs> it's because it's, yeah, he, he, he's basically starting to get it down to an absolute science where where it's coming out real fast it's it's current but it's a full-time job i mean you're yeah. doing it you're doing it what 13 hours a day sometimes 14 well, you hours take a, a day? podcast like this right as an example and right. you multiply it by four whatever the length of this is multiply it by four and that's at least what i've put into it yeah it is, right? yeah you got the easiest part shooting the, the footage yeah everything else is really tough you know and every, every part about slick rock is a hell of a lot more work um, if it wasn't for all the guys that we have and, and the support that we have, the Slick Rock family, we wouldn't make it. Yeah, you, know, you start to think about it. Like, I, I need to bring somebody on just to hold a camera and capture all this stuff. And mentally, we've actually done it before. Yeah, and mentally, you're thinking to yourself, "Oh man, how do I justify that?" Right. And then you go out there and see the end, <clears throat> end result and stuff. 
totally justifiable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those guys pay for themselves like that. For us, there's so many dimensions in it because the writing is the fun part. Yeah. But it is. I mean, you're out, you're filming all the time, you're writing all the time, and we're always building cars. We're always putting new parts on. We have so many vehicles because we go through so many parts and we try so much stuff out. Then you talk about, you know, I have a call list. I mean, I, we have people who call me up. I haven't talked to them for three or four weeks. So like, are we fighting? We do something wrong? Are we not? You know what I mean? It's right. just like, like you just kind of get stuck in this world. But between building cars, testing parts, dealing with companies, going out, making videos, getting your content out, asking it, or answering every question that comes online, we have a ton of questions that get thrown our way. Everywhere. That's why we do this, and we try to keep up with all that stuff. I mean, how many how many hours you guys spend a night staring at your phone? This is what we do, you know. And it's yeah. just, your downtime is slick rock time. Uh, and everything that you do, it's like you're in the shop, you're out wheeling, you're answering, we're on planes, we're flying, we're uh, learning about new, new parts. And to be clear, to this out. is not something where you guys are just sponsored through the hilt and, and you're doing this 24-7. You guys have jobs, you have families, yep. you have investments that you're worried about. And, and what you're doing with Slick Rock is a passion project and right. something that you're, you believe full full-heartedly and that you're going to put your extra hours into it you know and, and and that's actually something i wanted to bring up was uh it's called slick rock productions right right um and so what's what i mean when you look at your youtube channel your facebook things it's usually all just like you're in the shop hey just want to let you guys know about this situation this product whatever right. um and so what is the goal behind the production side are you guys looking to make media you've talked a little bit about tv but as far as you know what we, you do day to day what's your perspective on that side of it we have no goal um we've talked about this a hundred times we the show about nothing yeah <laughs> the, the old Seinfeld approach <laughs> but now it's it's uh, we have places where we want to end up we've talked about that but um I, I feel like because slick rock has grown organically and the formula we have works and it's got us to where we are like i said we've had many opportunities that we could have sold out i mean we could have been done with this a long time ago um but it's not really we have jobs um we have other businesses i mean that we intend to we make money and this slick rock cost i'm gonna say some in the neighborhood of a half a million bucks in the first year year and a half just to get off the ground when you start looking at what it costs to travel take everybody with you the machines the parts we didn't nobody was just giving us stuff you know i mean people call these companies every day like hey i'm the toughest guy in the world I'm, i drive like robbie gordon send me some shit and i'll test it for you it doesn't work that way we paid our way through we earned our right into it. People don't know that. We get a lot of crap online. Like, oh, if somebody gave me free stuff all the time. I'd do whatever I want. Yeah, come play in this world a little while. Yeah, I know? think people miss that mark when it comes to Slick Rock a lot of times in the community that's outside of the core Slick Rock group. Yeah. There's a lot of comments around, you know, these guys just get everything free, do whatever they want because they get everything for free. Well, yeah. you guys, have, you've invested up front. Like, there's a lot yeah. that goes into that. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I've had people, I still to this day, by the ton, have people hitting me up for some quote unquote my discount with yeah. a particular company yeah, i'm like fun how that works i'm out. like you realize i've invested to, like i tell my wife i'm open 24 7 right. and i'm like you realize i've invested two and a half years just if i'm awake i answer people slick and, didn't turn a profit literally until last year yeah they actually go into the profit side of it all the years before that literally we're talking over a million dollars in cars just in utvs just the stock side of it then you start throwing parts in there we have multiple shops now you know what i mean it's like we have big trucks big trailers i mean doing all these events it all costs money we take crews with us you know i mean it's there's a lot of dollars to go into it so if you want to send me a free radius rod thanks call free if you want but it's like it doesn't work that way you know it's like we have companies now who send us parts you know and i'm not denying that by any means we have a lot of companies who take care of us we spend a lot of time working with those companies talking about designs we run their products we spend a lot of time you know what it takes to make videos for stuff to edit it to get it 
out, to push it, to answer all the questions. There is nothing free about this in any nope, way. Not Just at because all. somebody hands you half the time when we come back to the shop and we see a pile of boxes that the UPS man drop off, our shoulders shrink a little bit. It's responsibility. <laughs> well, and the other like, thing you know, is, it's a looming thing in the back of your head too. Like I get this. Like I, when when a company wants to work with me, like I'm super humbled by that. And, and right. like despite everything that you just said and all that work. It's like looming in the back of your head. Did I do enough to reciprocate yeah, for them? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And I take that very seriously. Yeah, and so we we deal with you know a lot of the companies we work with. Um, it, it isn't just a marketing thing; it's a cause and effect thing. When we believe in a part and we decide that we're going to start running this, we're going to start pushing it. We want to let the public know about it. We want to know what the sales do with it. And I mean, we have a responsibility to them as well. Our first and foremost is to the consumer. We want to know whatever we're pushing is worth the price it's paying. They're not getting gouged. They have good warranty. It's good company. It's good R and D. We want to know the products what it's supposed to be we want to know everything about it everything once we get to that point we start going i, I want to know it's working we owe that to them you know right and it's but it's tough there is nothing free about it i know we, we have a billion of those haters out there too you know it's like the bigger you get the more you get i mean it's just it's a percentage that goes along with it we're a little more thin-skinned now we used to be i used to really attack these guys <laughs> and now i'm just like whatever dude you know yeah. <laughs> like, i mean it's like it's probably like 10 to 20 percent of uh the actual fan fan base I, it, of people. for us i think we're lucky because i see that on we have some buddies who are in television and some people we do stuff with that are kind of doing the same thing in different realms that we are. Right. And I feel like their percentage is a little higher. And some of that's just because we're out all the time. I mean, we we meet people, we deal with them, we guide them. You know, we talk to a lot of people online. We, we push a lot. And so it's like, we, if you get online and start talking crap about us, you're going to get one of us. You know what I mean? Well, not only that, if you've got a lot of talk crap about us, you haven't met us. Yeah. I feel right. Yeah. I mean, right. I don't, we, people who know us personally, we don't really have that. We have a big army who defends us out there, and that might be why we don't get it too. You get on there and you start saying derogatory stuff. We have a few Our community sifts out the shaft pretty quick in their in this global UTV market. Like they right. they shift they they clean the shaft out pretty well for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's you know and we don't deal with that. And that's probably the most exciting thing for me moving forward is over the last few years that stuff has really been diluted. You know, it's it's a lot easier to do our job and to do the right thing when we're not looking in the rearview mirror and try to you know put out fires of nonsense all the time because that, that just got annoying as can be yeah i mean despite what anybody's saying i mean at the end of the day if you're out there and you're you're adventuring and you're creating conversations points while also being 100 percent honest right i mean at the end of the day whatever somebody says who cares right. Right. you know we yeah. talk about the car Negatively. club culture being this being the new car club culture right like right. back in the day it was you know six seven eight guys would get their chevelles together and go meet at the diner or whatever you know now it's you know come over to the shop we're gonna all hang out wrench work together you get our cars up to the next level and and banter right and that's exactly right. how this podcast started was you know the utv garage banter like just, let's bring yeah. it to something where we can talk yeah, with you, you turn the hobby farm into a business yeah right. I, I don't know if like off-road needed to be resurrected um i don't know you know ascension descension you know motocross always kind of trended pretty even keel but right. uh you know russell porter from buggy whip said something to me once that really stuck out and he basically said utv is single-handedly saving off-road i think so too yeah you know the thing is is like it's it's kind of weird because on any level on any income you can play in this world 100 percent, and that's the difference i think you know like i came from the jeep world and there's a certain area out there where close to factory jeeps were kind of a club as well <laughs> right. and then you have the extreme guys which we played in but it's either 
a lot of money or a huge amount of money to play in that world. Then honestly, I got in the YouTube world because I thought it would save me money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought they'd be cheaper. <laughs> Not <laughs> so know, much. Like, yeah, it's like you start getting uh, you know six figures into jeeps. You're like, this is stupid. You know, you, yeah. s- you spend freaking six figures to go roll this thing and beat the hell out of it. And you enjoy it and you don't really care. But the fun of it isn't in that. It's the shop time stuff. Yeah, all the bonding we've had. The reason we are all friends is because we build cars together. We sit, we scratch our heads, and we spend time together. It's a bonding thing. And then we take our wives, you take your kids, and you go out. And it's like you go out and we test stuff, and we, we get to travel all over the place, and we get to see some great country and meet some great people. And for us, that's the the glue that's held us together. But when you put that as far as the UTV saving the you know the off-road industry, you know every state we've ever been in, everywhere we ever go, I mean, there's a billion people out there with UTVs. This is an inexpensive way that you can play on any level, but you can get into it and you can enjoy and recreate in any place in the country. And yeah. that's, that's a big deal. You the know? most underrated component of it is like, I I've got a FJ, I've got a forerunner and I'll eyeball these trails and these trips. And I'm just like, going, okay, if I take the family on this, it's probably going to take me somewhere between five and eight days. Right. Nobody has that kind of time. Right. I mean, really, I don't have that kind of time. I take a UTV down it in two and a half. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, that, and that's that was, the most underrated component of yep, it. Yeah, like, you can cover so much ground and quickly. They're yeah. such capable cars. Like when we used to go to Moab in my Jeep days, it was all day on a trail. Then you came back, you took ibuprofen, you sat in the hot tub, you got your ass whooped. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now you go out there, we'll take down three trails in a day, right. run back and have dinner and go for a night ride. And it just, it doesn't beat you the same. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. You, you can do a lot more in them. They're very versatile. Yeah. They, they, they bring some things that would normally be unattainable for me uh, in, into reality like we did the idaho backcountry discovery route and if it weren't for me you know it, we were on trail seven days uh we did an eighth but that was just to get to the starting line but it you know we took a media team with us and that was all fine but without that media team that's a five-day trip and right. imagine that in an fj that's right. probably well we've eight, talked 12 about different yeah. trails that, that sounds like in april exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. we've talked about yeah. trails where it's like you know the jeep guys are coming back to us when we're at the start of the trailhead and they're saying yeah it's gonna take you all day to get through that pass right. and it's like two hours later we're like so what are we doing with the rest of the day because yeah, we yeah. plan for this to take forever <laughs> right yeah you, yeah you can cover a lot of ground they're super versatile you take a place like this there's rock crawling here there's trail riding here there's sand here one machine can go do all that and do yeah. it well. And, and that's part of why I started with the X3RC is, and same reason you started with the Turbo S down here is just, you know, I start with what I think is the most off-road capable me- right. machine right from the factory so I can start wheeling it day one. That's and, one question we get a lot when people yeah. are wanting to get in the industry, where to go. And, and that's a toughie for us because you got to really understand people. You know what I mean? Yep. I know, that's, that's a little different game. For sure. So if we're uh, going to maybe throw some value out to the listeners and, and provide them some, some kind of takeaways um, because of what you guys specialize in, let's talk a little bit about um, you know the impacts of choosing a portal, impacts of choosing a big tire on the car. Like What should everybody kind of direct themselves to learn and to educate themselves on before making a purchasing decision? You so, know, so Obviously, you, go to your stuff, look at your what you've already done as far as content on that. Right. But uh, a takeaway to like, you have, let's just say a stock uh, razor or whatever, and you have 30 or 29s or 30s on it or whatever, and you're looking to go bigger. What's the first, the first couple steps you got to think about in the next process about gearing and, and ratios? So when you're building a portal car, we have uh, we've worked with companies come out with complete kits of everything you need. Um, 
so we have a ton of videos and a bunch of information about that but it all comes down to what you want to do with your car riding style um, portal's got a bad name the very first company that came out with them a long time ago they were chain driven they were garbage and they just didn't work they went out of business and then the ones that were out there you couldn't get parts for anymore that world has changed they're tough now and we have cars with thousands of miles on them we jump them we dune them we trail ride them we rock crawl them i mean we've really gone through we're always looking to innovate and upgrade the current systems that are out there which now these companies are doing that on a literally on a day-to-day basis but it's like the thing is about portals um the only way to gear down a car to run bigger tires is you either got to run portals with gear reduction in them or you got to gear down the transmission so if you gear down the transmission um you're not getting anything else out of the car other than lower gears which for some guys is fine depending on your riding style for us when you run portals you can run a bigger tire because of the gear reduction but it it centers the weight of the car so when you put portals on portals are, are heavy aftermarket wheels and tires a lot of rolling mass is heavy so you're keeping the center point down you're making the car wider you're making it articulate more but you're leaving you know if, if you run like a, on a typical razor 1000 if you run you know a 30 percent portal and you run a 30 percent bigger tire so you go from a 29.5 which is what they come with to a 34 35 inch tire that's 30 percent so you run at 30 percent you know it keeps your same speed you can still drive 60 65 miles an hour down the highway it still performs and it feels like a stock car but it rides better because you're weights down you have more articulation down and there. without the stress on the drivetrain yeah and it's like we used to um, we were talking earlier about chase vehicles we used to go down and go wheeling and we would take 10 15 axles with us we'd take a ton of belts with us ball joints amps because we that's would why break the chase stuff. vehicle was born for us that's why it was <laughs> we <laughs> literally built the battle built chase vehicle because we needed to take parts with us and now it's like we go out there um, i don't think any of us when was the last time we broke an axle when was the last time we tore a belt out we don't go through parts anymore. You build a car around your driving style. But for everybody, that's a little bit different. But that's why we have, like, we have another page called Portal Nation, specifically about portal information. Yep. We have an army on there of portal guys, including ourselves. But the people, like, the manufacturers, the companies that make these, they follow our pages, too. They're on there. We're all Q&A all the time. You have any questions, you get on there, we'll get right back to you. We can we can get information from somebody and start pushing you in the right direction so you're not wasting money. You want to build a portal car? How big do you want to go? Do you want 32s? you want 34s? you want 35s you want 40s and all it just kind of depends on what you want to build we've built literally everything i mean we've built from mild to stupid i mean to dumb I mean, we have cars that are literally dumb you know but they function you know there's no there's a big red car over here i have on display that is a ridiculous car that car's been 20 feet in the air it's on 40s that car works it articulates it rock crawls i mean there's videos we have a ton of them out there i think it's got 3,000 miles on it and they're not nice i mean that is a really well-built tough car that has taken a beating you know did you did you hear that they they don't blow belts Hey, we're still in the process of building that thing, man. I mean, it's it's, it, it's twenty two hundred pounds, and when you throw four passengers in it, uh, there's some stress there. Are we yeah, so. are we keeping the fat guy freight train on that? Uh, the the moniker, yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally. Into it. So, um, you know, something that's come out the last uh, over the last year or so is the uh, forge versus billet argument. What's your perspective on that for the portal guys? Um, in the portal world, personally, I like billet. I think you're probably in that same boat with yeah. me, right? We were in uh, in Tennessee. Um, I have personally only broke one portal in my life. That guy's broke two portals. You're at zero. <laughs> you're at zero, right? Um, for all the sets of portals we've had, um, and I don't think it's a luck deal. It's all in how you set your car up. There's people out there who break them. I get it. We talk to them all the time, but it's usually in your setup. You know, it's like your shortcuts. Yep, your expectations got to be right. You got to build a car properly. And, I mean, this is. We'll go back to the Jeep days. You don't just put 40s on a stock Jeep. 
You know what I mean? Uh, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, you have to build the car around it. And it's not cheap. You know, and it's like we have done our very best to break that down. We have companies who literally make complete kits. If you want to do portals, we have a kit in a box. It's literally bolt on step by step um, to take all that guesswork out. We've tried a lot of parts. We've had a lot of parts fail. We've, you know re-engineered a whole bunch of things you know with with a bunch of manufacturers on this we have kits that work and they work properly and it's like you used to have to take our word for that you don't now i mean we we have there's five thousand guys out here on portals and that are out here beating on them every day i mean yeah we, we've we've done our due diligence we've worked and we figured this stuff out um the billet i personally like better just because if you chuck a tooth and you break one it doesn't come out the case if you break a portal and you're out on the trail you break a gear in one of those what you want to do is you want to take it apart pull the gear out of it go out in three-wheel drive if you have a cast and you break a tooth it goes out the sides you have a rector set you got to get back together and try to get back out for me the extra few hundred bucks to have billet is worth it for that reason alone it keeps all the components inside of it i think it was last was it last summer the it was an eight or ten inch portals came out from eight super inch. tv Eights. eight inch yep. um is that too much is that too much leverage uh, yeah so like, I mean, like said it center point and gravity yeah especially yeah. for what we do yeah i i don't you know the eight inches came out for the south guys and it's like i'm not those guys built some really killer stuff down there but they're very purpose built right. these guys put them in mud holes that are four six eight ten feet deep and they churn through and go to the other side so i mean the eight inch portal gives them obviously four more inches of lift than what we usually run four inch portals so you get more lift out of it um so you would say four inches more of the common scenario for you guys yeah for us it is yeah for out here for down south sixes are the common um that's kind of sixes and 45 percent reduction they run a lot of 40s 44s tracker tires yeah 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 and that's you kind of need i have six inch portals on red over there with 40s on it and like that's kind of a perfect gear ratio with 40s i mean that car will still do 65 70 miles an hour down the road i mean it, it works properly so uh, why don't you both give us a little bit of a rundown on your daily car? Like, what is it? I mean, you have a bunch of cars in the shop that you guys are constantly hammering on. But what's your daily UTV build out look like? Um, pretty much these. I mean, four inch portals, 35 inch tires. That's kind of the rock crawler. I mean, that's kind of the best setup for that. And kind of break it down a little bit. Kurt talked about whenever we do a portal car, we build the machine around the portals. So you're talking tie rods, ball joints, A-arms, radius rods. Because when you toughen everything else up, it can take the rolling mass and you don't have the problems on the trail. Well, um, you know, this is a great, a great show to be at, to meet people like you, to, to be out with the vendors, to talk about the products. There's a lot of great vendors, uh, HCR, Super ATV, Z uh, Zollinger, I think, has a, some sort of tie-in out here. We have uh, Evo. We got a bunch of different performance places out representing, and you're able to come to shows like this talk shop, talk scenarios, talk cars, um, even have your car right there with you and, and point and, and talk and discuss about, you know, questions you have. Um, a big reason to come to these shows is to do exactly that. Right. Um, and so we, we always constantly are talking about, you know, being from the vendor world, we've always talked about come out to the shows, support the vendors. You know, it's not just about supporting the community, the, the financial side of the, of the community, but the, the knowledge side of it and, and experiencing it with everybody that knows more than you, that's been through the, the ringer, that has put in the tens of thousands of dollars into this stuff to, to save you on the, on the short side. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, these types of, com these type of events we've talked about 
are great events where you can go out and ride and participate and, and race and crawl and go guide rides and all that sorts of stuff. But there's a lot of knowledge at these events that if you are willing to walk around and spend the time to talk with people and not just be looking for that bottom dollar, right. you can get more value out of that discussion than you would ever try to find the best sell on a, on a tie rod. Agreed. Yeah, being in the industry has its perks too, man. Like you see these guys at every single event, so you get to ride with them and they get to see how you ride. So that makes conversation so much easier. Right, like I'll go right. up there and I'll, I'll tell them about something that I need or something that I broke and they know that I ride like a complete jerk. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're just like, okay, yeah, I know what he needs. That's but, been the, uh, a really great thing for us as we've traveled this country. We've rode with a lot of people. Yeah. And um, when you get to ride with people and you get to spend time with them, not only do we get to know them, they get to know us yeah. and what we're about. And, and that's where the trust basis comes in with a lot of the stuff that we do is because we personally know half of our followers out there and that's it's a big number yeah every one of these events we come to people come up like how oh, we rode together and you know here or here or that's here. killer and it's just cool I it's mean, honestly it's what up. it's all about honestly yeah. <laughs> for, for us it is yeah you know, yeah yeah so, I, I i had some dude hit me up on facebook the other day or, and i hit up a group like he's he runs this group in southern in, in uh, southern oregon he was just like uh you know celebrities are kind of dipping their toe in the water in the side-by-side game yeah we and, know and yeah. uh we're dealing with you oh yeah <laughs> and, and they were throwing it out there thinking that it was cool like what um, and i'm not saying it isn't i'm just saying that uh he's throwing out there who would you want to ride with i'm like dude i'd rather ride with you <laughs> right. you know i mean it's like i see these guys dipping their toe in the water on this stuff and it's because it's ascending and then i see a lot of people in the industry trying to get famous off the industry and it's right. just you know I don't know. Just I'd, go out and ride. Just go out and ride. Right, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 It's not a prima donna place. No, you know it's I mean? not. It's like, yeah. I, I don't, we've, we've uh, dealt with a lot of people and some people with some big names, you know, in this industry. And I don't, you know, for us, last year, Rally on the Rocks was a very humbling experience for us. We, we guided some trails out there. We had people travel this country literally the country to come ride with us. That's killer. We had a, a, a great guy from Florida okay. drove all the way out here to shake our hands and ride with us. That's crazy. Yeah. And right after that, we went back to Tennessee and did an event. That guy drove from Florida to Tennessee to come hang out with us. We had people from, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas, Ohio, you know, Minnesota. These people travel all over to come shake your hand and come ride with you. That is very humbling for guys yeah. like us, you know, because we're dorks. Uh, let's, let's be real. We're, we're, we're idiots with wrenches. We build stuff. We, we're passionate about what we do and we like it. But when when people come from, you know, pack up and spend money and come that far to come shake your hand and ride with you, that's really humbling to yeah. us. It's a big deal. Yeah, the the, the uh, off-road world really kind of plays to the inner gear whore that we all have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Put that on a shirt, will yeah. you? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, so, the, uh, the, the topic about getting out and riding um, – you know, is even more important nowadays in Utah in areas like this where there's there's people kind of trying to shut some of this access down. Uh, and we were just talking with the UTV or the Utah UTV guys about you know right. some of the challenges they're facing. So I just want to before we close uh, uh, the episode, I just wanted to kind of put that out there for anybody that's um, enjoying the freedoms we have in writing. Uh, stand up for your community. Stand up for what you rights you have to ride. Because if you don't, they're going to get taken away. So I would, I would love to add to that. And don't stand up by being an ass and a mouth. Right. Do the right thing. Yep. You know, it's like the biggest problem with this is, and this has gone on for a lot of years. Um, it, it's not a new thing. It's just a lot more public now because of social media. But, you know, 
we spend a lot of time out riding and you know we've sat in moab at restaurants in the middle of the night and you watch people driving by with their lights on the stereos booming their drifting corners they're driving like idiots people live in that town this is where the problem comes from right when you're heading up to hell's revenge you're driving through a residential area you want to do that two o'clock in the morning don't be an ass you know what i mean throttle down while you're in town you know if you're respectful to other people you don't have these problems conversations don't even start no yeah and it's like the one thing like i said it's always been there to a certain degree but now that everybody's got a voice and everybody can log on and everybody can have an opinion. You know, and it's like, you know what? UTV Utah does a great job getting involved here locally in Utah with a lot of these things. I mean, my hats are off to those guys. Um, there's some guys who really spend a lot of time and they pay a lot of attention and they fight for our rights. And we need guys like that. But when you get on there and you're like, oh, let's just boycott them all. If we don't spend money anymore, yeah, let's damage everything right. in order to hit a couple. You know what I mean? Hurt it does ourselves a, to yeah, bring it all. Yeah, there's, the collateral damage here is tough. You know, it's, the thing to do is, is be respectful. Pick your garbage up. You know, obey the law. Register your machine when you're in Moab. Quit driving around without plates on and being a being a jackass. Don't drink and drive while you're down there. If it's two o'clock in the morning, you want to go on a night ride. That is your prerogative. You can do that. Be cool while you're going through town. Though. <laughs> There's people there. You're driving by houses. People are sleeping. If you lived in Moab and you put up with that every night, whether you support the automotive world, whether you make a living off of it or not, it's annoying. You know what I mean? Well, Just we all love cool. cars and trucks, but we don't build our house next to the freeway, right? Yeah, like, exactly. So exactly. no one wants that to just all of a sudden appear out of nowhere in their backyard. Right. And uh, if we're going to protect it, we have to be responsible and we have to stand up for it. But we also, more importantly, have to educate our buddies, our communities, our little micro niches about what their impact is doing to the bigger community right. and be advocates in our own local groups. The, the best thing we can do, all of us cumulatively together to keep this stuff from happening, is just do the right thing. Just be polite to other people. Understand that you're in somebody's town. Understand that there's people who live around you. And, you know, like when we go up in the mountains, there's nothing worse than seeing garbage all over the place. And pick your stuff up as you leave. Yeah. Be responsible. You know what I mean? When you see other people coming on the road, give them some space. You know what I mean? It's just just be nice. You're going around a blind corner, slow down. You don't know who's coming around the other side. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's a big thing in the UTV world. You know, it's like we, go, we all go up. We all like to rally. Be sensible in places, especially heavily populated areas. For sure. You know, just... Be cool with people. For if sure. everybody has that mentality, all this stuff goes away on its own. You know what I mean? No, no, nobody's arguing that we shouldn't be able to go trail ride and we shouldn't do that. The argument comes when there's garbage all over the place and people are irresponsible. Right. If everybody would just step that up 5%, we wouldn't have these issues. You For know? sure. So uh, to wrap up the episode, um, where can we find you? How can we follow you? And uh, where can we see the ventures ahead? Go, Jake. Yes, we're on Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> okay, now now you yeah. get to talk. Let's just uh, get exactly. that out there. Okay. Um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, email. All our links are there. It's kind of hard not to see the, the name. Any questions? Really, any of those channels, reach out. Uh, any of our pages, Portal Nation, obviously, is, is very portal-driven. It's about that. But um, um, you can reach out to us. You can uh, personal message any one of us. You can personal message our site. And we, uh, we get back to everybody as quickly as we can. Um, we'll do what we can to help anybody out there. Awesome. Well, you know, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to visit the booth and, and be on the show. And Thanks for having uh, us. It's been great to finally kind of meet you face to face instead of just the electronic version. And um, I, I know for sure there's going to be more times where we can talk and work together on stuff. So. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So until the next time, guys, peace. <laughs>